Hello and welcome to another episode of Film Spill, a movie night podcast with your host, Chelsea. Film Spill, if you already don't know, is a podcast that comes out every week and we talk about a movie by a female filmmaker every episode. We also discuss women in the entertainment industry in general and we play slumber party type games, spill entertainment gossip and get to know each other and our guest. This week, we have a very special guest, Haley Nash, who is a producer, writer, and director with Onyx, and who has also been on our podcast before. So welcome back, Haley. Hi. Yeah. Thank you, Chelsea. I'm really glad to be here. Happy to be back and always love chatting about film and women in entertainment. So definitely a great place for me to be here. (laughs) So last time we talked about what your dream job was. Has that changed since the first time that we've spoken? That is a great question. I would say my dream job has gotten slightly more generalized. I know that might sound a bit odd, but overall at this time, I just would love to be, you know, a paid writer in entertainment, whether that be film or television. I'm sort of pursuing both at the moment. I like a lot of young writers in Los Angeles, I have multiple TV pilots in my portfolio. I have a number of short films that I've created, which speaking of one of my short films, Make Up Your Mind, which is about a young woman who is struggling with her mental health and must decide whether or not she's going to buy a new brain. That is currently on the festival circuit and hopefully we'll be streaming to you lovely audiences sometime in the winter or spring yes I'm super excited (laughs) you have been getting a very great momentum with your films do you want to share what you have been nominated for so far oh yes thank you Um, that's very sweet of you Chelsea I have been nominated for best writer at well I was nominated for best writer at the alternative film festival I won that category which was very sweet to be you know recognized for my screenplay because I originally started as a writer I've been writing since I was a little kid my first thing I actually wrote was god I was it was before I was even a teenager I wrote an adaptation of sisterhood of the traveling pants did not make it because I didn't want to be sued you know kids don't like getting sued so I yeah I was really excited to win that award. I won the audience award at the Central Florida Film Slam earlier in the summer, which was very exciting. And yeah, it's screened at a couple festivals so far. It will be screening at the Topaz Film Festival in October, as well as the Reading Film Festival and a couple others. But I go on for a long time about this. But overall, yeah, things are going really well. And I'm just really grateful to have a platform for this project. Quick question for you. Um, Well, I don't know how quick it'll be, but I do have a question (laughs) as to... What is a festival that you have your eyes set on? Oh, that's a great question. Well, one of them I actually already got into, which was amazing, which is a festival called Mental Filmness in Chicago that focuses specifically on projects that center around mental health because 
that is a major really subject that I love to explore because it's so prevalent in the modern day. And in the past, you know, it hasn't always been given the right treatment, you know, when people were depressed in a lot of films, let's just say in the 60s and 70s, you know, there would be dark storm clouds and rain and just like, you know, maybe a pretentious song playing in the background. And then two or three scenes later, oh no, it's all gone. When in actuality, mental health is so much more complicated than that. So yeah, that festival is definitely one I had my eye on and I'm very grateful to be included in that. There's a couple other festivals that I would love to um, be included in one day, but that at this stage of my career, I'm not sure if I'd get into yet, but I mean, maybe one day I'll get into, you know, a big festival like South by Southwest because God, that one's so much fun to be a part of, or, you know, maybe one day, I mean, I've attended Sundance virtually, but I would love to attend in person. So we'll see. (laughs) The director that we're going to be speaking about today Mm -hmm actually got funded because they were in South by. So that is um, a little introduction of what we're going to be discussing today. We are going to be talking about Emma Seligman's comedy film, Shiva Baby. And this was recommended by Haley herself. Haley, do you want to discuss why you chose this film? Absolutely. I would love to. So Shiva Baby... I saw it, God, a couple years ago now, and when it was still in the festival circuit, and it just blew me away with its sharp dialogue, its timely themes about what it's like to be a young Jewish woman and just a young woman trying to find her identity. And just overall, the blending of different themes is just phenomenal in this film. And I actually ended up watching it two more times after I originally saw it. I joked to Chelsea before we started recording that I have seen this film about three and a half times just because I watch clips from it all the time. It's just so timely and well-written and just phenomenally acted by Rachel Sinat, who a lot of people now know from Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. She nailed that role as well. So yeah, that's why I chose the film, just because also as a young Jewish woman who has been to many awkward shivas and who has experienced, you know, anxiety when it comes to figuring out my career path and what I'm doing in life. This project is just very relatable and something I truly love. So you had mentioned that you've been to shivas growing up. Did you attend all full seven days or did you do what Danielle did and just like pop in? (laughs) Did I make an appearance at a shiva? Um, I will be honest. A lot of the shivas I went to were when I was kind of young. I think the first one I went to was when I was... God, I think six or seven years old. That one, I just made an appearance, you know, obviously as a cute little first grader, I didn't want to stay for too long. I had too many juice boxes waiting for me at home, but yeah, I normally, I just went to uh, the first night of it after, you know, after the original, after the first ceremony and really after all of that, just to, you know, be with family and to comfort people in their time of needs. But yeah, this film does a great job of really, you know, diving into something that has often not been explored in film before, which is shivas, you know, and being able to deliver the dark comedy with all of that. 
I wanted to start this new segment where we discuss women in television. So each week we will be discussing an episode that a female uh, and slash or non-binary person has either directed, written, or produced. This week, we will be discussing Abbott Elementary, created and starred by Quinta Brunson. But specifically, we're going to be discussing episode one. I know we're going to dive in deeper to it in a second, but God, just the way that she introduces this world and all of these lovable characters and just this quirky environment in the school. Oh my God, just, you know, chef's kiss. Amazing. (laughs) This show, Abbott Elementary, is showing just like the dry humor of it and Mm -hmm. taking something that is so disheartening but putting some comedy and just lightness behind that. Yeah, just bringing some positivity and warmth, like you're saying through all of that, like, especially through the character of Janine. I mean, her optimism is just, it's contagious, you know? <laughs> yeah, it is. I mean, that's definitely like that Michael Scott type character, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is, you know, why she is the main character. And it makes sense. You know, we always need that like optimistic, like fun spirited person. And I think she did a great job writing in the other characters as well and really putting up persona in each one, right? Yes, everyone is so distinct on the show in their own voice. Like you can tell when a line is a Melissa line or when it's, you know, a Principal Ava line or when Gregory (laughs) says something and being able to have such a clear concept of who each character is really reflects on how talented Quinta is as a writer. I should have told you guys what the episode was about, but the first episode is about passionate teachers and slightly tone deaf principal are determined to help their students succeed. And that's what we pretty much see in the first episode is, you know, the main characters being introduced, poverty being brought up right away. Janine is stating that they need funding. So that is why they've created this documentary uh, type thing, right? Is there any episode that has stood out to you in this first season? This is going to sound cheesy. And it might be because I studied uh, television writing at UCLA. But I mean, the pilot just, I've watched the pilot, I think three or four times, just because I love how it sets up the world. I mean, the season finale was also great, but I'm just, I'm a bit of a sucker for pilots just because they're so complex to do because you have to interweave all these storylines. You have to introduce all the characters in a way that makes sense to the audience, but for a comedy is also funny and just really engaging. And it's so difficult to establish a world. That's why a lot of the times the Emmys do reward comedy pilots because, you know, pilots are just so difficult to write. So I wanted us to play a game because I want to figure out what character we both most likely are. Ooh, sounds like fun. Yes, I found this quiz on BuzzFeed for us to try as our slumber party type game. Oh, it sounds like fun. (laughs) I am going to read off the choices. So, uh, for example, the first question is, what was your favorite subject in school? And then I'm just going to read off the options for you. And then we'll see what character you most likely are. Yeah, (laughs) that sounds great. All right, let's get started. What was your favorite subject in school? Math? English, history, art, science, drama. 
Ooh, personally, I am a big history nerd just because so many great stories have happened in the past that haven't been explored. Um, your best quality as a teacher would be patience, a can-do attitude, humor, leadership, creativity, or honestly, everything about me. I would say creativity. All right, next question. Pick something from season one of Abbott Elementary. So it is Janine's wish list video, Becoming by Michelle Obama, Gregory's Classroom Drawings, The Classroom Snakes, The Teacher's Lounge, or Courtney's new vocabulary word. I would go with Janine's wish list video. Oh, this one is a backpack choice. So I'm going to see if I can share screen <laughs> with you so you can see your backpack choices. Fun. Oh, God. They're got to say these were much cooler than my backpack. <laughs> I guess I would go with the purple one. I know it doesn't really come with all the stuff in there, but, you know, maybe it does. <laughs> with love extra markers and colored pencils. Who wouldn't enjoy that? <laughs> Pick a fictional teacher to hang out with. You got Mr. Feeney from Boy Meets World, Annalise Keating from How to Get Away with Murder, Jessica Day from New Girl, Ms. Frizzle from The Magic School Bus, Mr. Garvey from Key and Peel, <laughs> and Mr. Ratburn from Arthur. Dang, this is a pretty good lineup. A great roster. Right? I was See? thinking the same thing. I know. Wow. Oof. I do have an instant answer just because New Girl is one of my favorite shows and Liz Merriweather is so good at writing Jessica Day. So I would love to meet Jessica Day. I'd love to hang out with her. Right. So I love from New, New Girl, Girl too. Winner. It's so good. Yeah. Phenomenal show. Great <laughs> writing. Just, oh, that cast Schmidt. Oh my God. I'm a huge Schmidt fan. <laughs> That's a show that I could rewatch all the time. Same. That's one of my comfort food shows, you know? You get a day off. How do you spend it? Do more work and never stops at the spa, cooking a delicious meal, visiting a museum, hitting the gym. A day off is just a state of mind that I choose to be in every day. Oh, God. This is not a healthy answer, but it's the one that I probably do in actuality, which is doing more work and never stops. That's a little, yeah, I'm a bit of a workaholic. It's, you know, that's the LA life, the New York life, the young person life, you know. It really is though. Like I would have chose the same thing. I'm like, I'm never not working. Exactly. (laughs) Like if it's not at work, I'm at home doing my own work. (laughs) Choose a snack to get through your day. An apple, a breakfast sandwich, Melissa's bronzina. Snack wells, granola bar or wine because it's five o'clock somewhere. Ooh, I gotta say breakfast sandwich. Oof, I am a sucker for a good breakfast sandwich. Like, oh, the one. Oh, wait, I think we got our answer. (laughs) You got Janine. Oh, I'm not. I mean, I wish I was more like Janine. God, mm. I wish I had that energy. For me, it's mostly coffee driven. For her, it just seems like, God, she's just, you know, she's just a ball of energy and light, you know? So, yeah, I'm very, very happy to be considered as that character in the show. I'm, I'm very honored. I did the, the quiz real quick. Mm. I quickly went through it. Guess Ooh. who I got? Putting me on the spot here. Um, I am going to say uh, Melissa. 
<laughs> I wish. <laughs> I don't love to guy. Maybe if I would have chosen the Bronzino, maybe I would have mm-hmm. gotten Melissa. Yeah. Because Melissa's just so cool, you know? And I feel like you have some cool energy to you. I think you're a cool person, Chelsea. Aw, thanks. But I hope so. But I got uh, Gregory Eddy. <gasps> Ooh. That's a good choice. I mean, honestly, none of the characters would be bad to have. Like, even if you got the janitor, he's pretty, he's pretty fun. <laughs> if you haven't seen the show, you got to check it out. He's funny. Everyone's hilarious, of course. It's a comedy. Awesome. Well, let's get into it. Let's get into Shiva Baby. Shiva Baby is available to watch on HBO Max, Amazon Prime, and Google Play, Apple TV, and Hulu. This discussion will contain spoilers for the film. If you haven't already seen it, go watch and come back afterwards to hear our thoughts. Tell me, what is this (laughs) film about? Oh, I like that. Well, (laughs) while at a Jewish funeral service with her parents, a college student has an awkward encounter with her sugar daddy and her ex-girlfriend. It is rated a 96% on Rotten Tomatoes. So that is pretty, (laughs) as it deserves, that's pretty high up there, but it's because it's such a great film. Chef's kids. Mm, Exactly. Brilliant. Emma's pronouns are she, they. She's only 27 years old. I mean, you know, she's really young, but she just, you know, she's so well put together and being able to like direct a feature. Oh my God. So tough. Like... I mean, it's just incredible what she's been able to do. Shiva Baby was her thesis film for NYU. Selkman is bisexual and Jewish, which goes hand in hand with Danielle's character, who is bisexual and Jewish as well. She is currently in post-production for her next feature called Bottoms, which will have Rachel Sennett returning. What I was able to dig up is that after a few drafts of the script, Emma needed to figure out what the tone of the film was going to look like. They turned to psychological horror and thrillers as like reference. And that's why we notice in certain takes of the film, especially where Danielle is going through her anxiety attacks, we see the red. Trey Edward Schultz was a big reference. And he made a film called Kresha, which is Mm -hmm. a huge reference for Shiva Baby. And Emma talks about that several times. Another influence was The Graduate, made in 1967. An amazing film, Mike Nichols' uh, second film after Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. But don't even get me started on Mike Nichols. I could talk about his (laughs) directing and his work for far too long. But another influence that they talk about is Shame 2011, and it felt like Love 2013. To be honest, I had to look these up because I've never watched these films, but they seem pretty intriguing. So I'm actually going to watch these. I'm going to take some time to watch them to see where the references came from. A lot of the references from these films that she talks about have to do with sexual insecurities and sexual Mm -hmm. coming of age because it's not talked about enough. Yeah. And especially not from, you know, 
a female point of view often, you know, I mean, not to get too much into film theory here, but I might mispronounce her name, but Laura Mulvey talked about the, you know, the male gaze in film and how a lot of films are seen from that male perspective. Like for instance, in Alfred Hitchcock's Vertigo, like as soon as his love interest walks on screen, it's very much like a male sexualized view of it. And I love Vertigo, nothing against Hitchcock, but you know, in Shiva Baby, it's really giving, you know, a female perspective, really trying to make the gaze more equal, trying to make that perspective, that lens that I'm talking about the gaze here more, you know, personal to her. So it's not, you know, succumbing to the male gaze that has dominated film for so long. Yes, exactly. And we see that in the first opening scene where Danielle is having sex, obviously is having sex with one of the sugar daddies that Mm -hmm. is later featured in the film. And the focus isn't necessarily on them. It's on her phone. So Mm -hmm. we see the action, but we're not so focused on that sexual aspect. I do like Mm -hmm. that there's not so much focus on that. Like we get it. It's part of nature. It's part of life. It happens, mm-hmm. but there's mm-hmm. there's a way to depict it when you're trying to prove a point or when you're trying to sell, tell exactly, a story. Yeah, yeah. like in Shiva Baby, so much of this film is shown from Danielle's point of view because, you know, she's the main character. She's the one who's going through this sort of quarter life crisis in the terms of like, what is she going to do with her life now that she has graduated or really on the verge of graduating? And it's really refreshing and just inspiring honestly getting to see that point of view on screen another big part of the movie was food and we see that a lot Mm -hmm. (laughs) and you were talking or you had mentioned that you've been to a lot of shivas growing up did you see a lot like a lot of food in the show oh my god of course yes Mm -hmm. definitely there's always a lot of food at Shiva's. I mean, oh, the spread. Like, I know they talk about the spread a lot in Shiva Baby. Just, you know, all the food that's there. I mean, oh my God, Kugel and Latkas and like, well, not always Latkas there, but the locks. Oh my God, so much locks. I adore it. But that's a whole other podcast about my love for, you know, Jewish food. But yeah, lox and bagel, everyone's trying to eat, walk around, you know, commiserate about the person, but also catch up with one another if they haven't, you know, seen these relatives in a while. Because in, you know, in all cultures, they're, you know, there's times when, you know, families gather together, whether it be, you know, for sadder occasions like shivas or for happier occasions like, you know, graduations or weddings or, you know, babies being born and all of that. So, yeah, at these events, you know, you grab food, you chat with relatives, you try to pretend you have your life together. And it's, you know, it's great to see family, but it's also a little anxiety inducing, which can cause people to either, you know, not want to eat much or not eat much like Danielle's character does. She's not that hungry and she's also a vegetarian. So when her mom offers her locks and bagels, she's like, no, mom, don't you remember I'm a vegetarian? Her mom's like, oh my God. Or it can lead to the other side where people, you know, you know, pile up their plates and are like, oof, if I hear one more question from this person about my life, I got to eat another cookie, you know? So, cause food is also a sign of love. I was going to touch on the crew, the production designer 
is named Cheyenne Ford, costume designer Michelle Lee. Um, cinematography was by Maria Rushi, which Emma discusses how she really helped bring the film to life. She really helped yes. with staging and making sure that things changed, especially when shooting in one location. Exactly. Yeah. Making it visually engaging in that way. I mean, because cinematographers, honestly, in my opinion, don't get enough credit. Like people will know, like, you know, big names of directors like Jordan Peele, who is amazing, but they won't know like Hoyt Van Hotema, who was a cinematographer for Nope and did a phenomenal job. So definitely big shout out to Maria Roosh here for cinematography. Yeah, it's very true. They don't get enough credit and they are the eyes behind the picture. (gasps) Exactly. Like you said, they are the eyes of the film. They help, you know, they work hand in hand with the director to really create that beautiful vision. What did you feel about the music like composition in the film? Oh, it was amazing. I I mean, the way the score just elevates these moments of tension like when Danielle sees her sugar daddy Max at the shiva for the first time that little oh my god that little uh I always forget the word for it but that little bit of score it's almost like a little vignette in a sense it's the little interlude they put there to really deliver that moment is just amazing and I just thought the sound design was great I I saw it twice in theaters, actually. And just being able to hear it with that sound system was amazing. So, yeah, I loved it. Yeah, they did a great job with, like, fading in and out Mm. of each sound because there was a lot of high-intensity moments that they're kind of hard to blend in with, like, Mm. dialogue and your next scene. I was interested to see how they, like, intertwined everything together. Exactly. Yeah. Because music can really, I mean, it can really elevate a film to another level. And it's so important. Like, I know on a lot of films, people are just like, ah, you know, we'll just throw in some music later or, you know, we'll save sound for post. And that's not really the best thing to do because sound is so important. I mean, as you can tell, listening to a podcast, sound really is crucial. (laughs) Yeah, it it is. And you want to know that at the end of it, your tone is going to be set up. Tone is very important. Yes. And Emma obviously recognized that tone was very important and that she needed to deliver that in some way. Let's shine some light on Rachel Sennett, who did an incredible job <gasps> yes. playing Danielle. Mm-hmm. What a talent. Like, ah. Oh. What a comedic genius. I mean, I know some of you listeners may have seen some of her work on social media or hopefully in theaters, but God, what a talent. She is just so funny and she is great at line delivery and just overall just really managing to dive into her characters, especially this character of Danielle and embody it fully. Yes. If you didn't hear before, she's in Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. She is also in Call Your Mother. That's a sitcom. Uh, She does a lot of comedy acting. She's always been a performer. She found comedy in college. And she didn't go the traditional route. That is another thing to point (laughs) out, is that she totally skewed from the norms. And Mm -hmm. instead of, she said she didn't like her classes, or I could be saying that wrong, but she wasn't fond of them. 
So that's yeah. why she started doing the NYU thesis films. And then look what happened there. Shiva baby ended up being coming really big, but also because she developed a great relationship with Emma and she was really able to develop that character. She developed that character in two years. Yeah. So she really like grew into that character, became Danielle. And yeah. that's why you can interpret that when you watch the film as well, how well she depicts Danielle's character. Exactly. You can really feel that dedication and just, I mean, personally, I was just blown away by her performance the first time I saw her. And it's just, you know, I'm so excited to see her career continue to flourish and blossom and see her in another leading role in Bottoms. I know I've already plugged Bottoms today, but, you know, I am very excited to see more of her work because I'm just, I am a Rachel Snott fan. So, yeah, I'm excited for her to be growing in her acting career like she's really blossomed and I hope she wins some awards in the future and she stars in more stuff and I could see her becoming the next Sydney Sweeney but in her own way yeah it's funny because you know some people were talking about how like they drew a comparison between her and Al Pacino, actually, because uh, Rachel Sinat is Italian and Al Pacino is Italian. And they've both embodied Jewish characters before because neither Al Pacino nor Rachel Sinat are Jewish, but they you know, are able to capture that so well. And yeah, I mean, she's going to continue to flourish. She'll do great. And she really was able to bring Danielle to life in just a way that only she could. Cause yeah, this cast is just amazing. I mean, oh my God, one of her love interests and her former flame from the past, Maya played by Molly Gordon was, oh my God, also amazing. Chelsea, where have we seen Molly Gordon before? <laughs> she was in a good boys book smart and life of the party. Life of the party, the most McCarthy movie. Yeah, she's yes. been pretty active too. And her chemistry with Rachel, oh my God, so good. Plus just the way she's able to deliver this dry humor and just oh, the retorts she has in this movie are excellent. <laughs> yeah, well, I think it's also because both of them do comedy. Yes, so that exactly. Helps. And also they had to develop a relationship. They didn't have rehearsal time. So they ended up, you know, on their spare time, just getting to know each other and just spending time with each other. So they grew a great close-knit bond and that really shined in their characters as well. Exactly, yeah. And there's another big star that's also in the film, Diana Argon, who starred in Glee. As Quinn, I wanted to see if one of the lines resonated with you that Diana Ooh. actually recommended to use for the film. Mm-hmm. But she talks about how it would be funny to add the line that discusses the debate on how Jewish you are. <laughs> so she wanted the line yeah. to be, but your dad's Jewish, that doesn't really count. Is that <laughs> something that you experienced growing up? Oh, um. You know, being Jewish is very complex. You know, it's a spirituality, but it's also being a part of a community. And there's also, there's so many different factors to it. And I mean, personally, my mother is Jewish. So in, at least in the Jewish 
custom. Traditionally, it's matrilineage. So it goes through the mother. So if your mother's Jewish, you are automatically Jewish. That's what I learned from my many, well, from my Jewish studies classes. So yeah, that's why the joke, yeah, but your dad's Jewish. It's funny because my dad is actually, he's Christian. He's Lutheran. Oof. Wow. Crazy. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's interesting. I think that's funny to throw that in there because that varies. Um, it is an insider joke, I should say, I suppose, when it comes to being Jewish. Because, yeah, it's like, you know, people talk about being half Jewish if their dad's Jewish and their mom is not or vice versa. And, yeah, I think I think it's pretty funny. That does resonate with me a little bit because I, a little more about me, a short anecdote. I grew up in the North Shore of Chicago, which is predominantly Jewish. And so, yeah, a lot of my classmates were Jewish. I grew up in, yeah a community where that was discussed a lot. That was just the norm, honestly, for a lot of people there. So yeah, I can, I definitely can relate to that line, even though my father is not Jewish, only my mother. Shout out to <laughs> Shelly Nash. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. I know that you wanted to talk on the themes of the film that yes. were really important to you and really stood out to you. So do you want to talk on behalf of the themes? Yeah, absolutely. Like, there's so many incredible themes in this film, including, you know, sexuality, gender identity. I mean, how you feel in the world, just, you know, responsibility as well. Like, what it means to become an adult. And also the idea of being infantilized. Like, from the name of the film itself, Shiva Baby, it refers to, first off, the baby that um, basically... Kim Beckett brings to the Shiva as well as refers to Danielle herself because she feels like a baby among these people. She feels young. She feels inexperienced. They literally sing a song to her later in the end that makes, you know, that they're like, oh, we used to sing this to you as a baby. So we're going to sing it to you now, which, you know, that idea of being infantilized is, you know, it's uncomfortable, especially when you're a young woman still trying to find your identity in the world. So it's just, I mean, the themes in this are really, you know, they're both very specific to the character, but they're also universal. And it's that, you know, that ability to cover both those grounds that's incredible, really, you know, and it's just one of the themes that I really wanted to touch on that I talked about a little bit earlier is the idea of what are you going to do with your life? because that's really a major question for a lot of people in their twenties. Once you finish college, you know, what is, what's going to be your future? What are you going to do on this planet? How are you going to make your mark? And I feel like a lot of college graduates, you know, they get anxious because when they graduate, yeah, it's exciting, but they're constantly bombarded from, at least from my own experience, from their relatives and from, you know, friends and from everyone and not in a mean way, but they're bombarded with the question, oh, what are you going to do next? Like, what, like, did you get a job? And then they really deliver that question a lot in Shiva Baby because everyone's asking her like, oh, do you have a job? What are you going to do with your life? Are you going to be, oh, are you going to be an activist for like women's marches? Or are you going to be a comedian? Or what are you going to do with your life now? See, school's done what's your life going to be like? And that question is, you know, some people have a very clear image of it, but a lot of people like Danielle are still figuring it out and she's still so young in the world. Cause like, it's funny, you know, when, as Chelsea, you know, and as everyone knows, you know, when you turn 18, just because you're legally an adult, it doesn't mean that you're immediately, you know, 
filled to the brim with like an understanding of how to do taxes and what adult life is like and how to really exist in the world. So yeah, it's just amazing how the film explores that. Cause I was just wondering, Chelsea, personally, which one of the themes of the film really resonated with you the most, or are there multiple that really spoke to you? I think that both the sexuality and the responsibility stood out to me the most Mm -hmm. in the sexuality aspect. What stood out to me the most was it being brushed off that you were bisexual or that Mm -hmm. you are queer. Yeah. So, and being in a family event while, you know, your mother's saying, Oh, she's just experimenting, you know? So that that's um, definitely something that resonated with me. And then just like the responsibility of it is not having a life plan for yourself, but it not fully seeing through mm-hmm. and you still trying to figure things out. And I know that that's something that I've struggled with all throughout my 20s. And even though I'm still in my 20s, it's something that like I'm still struggling with that I hope by my 30s, I have it figured out. And I hear that's that's when you do have it figured out that your 20s are to, you know, figure things out. Oh my God, with the present day, with the inundation of so much media and all this stuff and all of these ideas about what's right and what's not right, it can be overwhelming. And sometimes, you know, yeah, trying to figure out the right balance between work and play and between like, you know, pursuing your dreams, but also self-care. That's, it's really tricky to find that balance. Yeah, it really is. And don't get me wrong, like everyone. Once a month, I treat myself to either a facial or massage. Sometimes. Yes. You gotta. Yeah. Because I'm like, that's (laughs) the least that I could do for myself after not taking a day for myself. That is my day. Um, And I normally Mm. wait for my birthday to have a full day to myself where I don't Mm. like touch my emails. I don't look at my computer. That is my day. The relationship between Danielle and her mom is really fascinating in this film because there's so many different relationships at play and they're all so well balanced and the themes are so incredibly integrated throughout. Like Maya and Danielle, their relationship is complex because they broke up. They still have feelings for each other. Danielle and Max, that's complex because he's her sugar daddy, but his wife and his baby are at the party and they know I mean, Max didn't know Danielle was going to be there. She didn't know Max was going to be there. And then Max is finding out about Danielle's personal life and she's finding out about his and just the messiness of it all is just, I mean, it's incredibly entertaining to watch if it's sometimes, you know, really intense because that's where this film really goes into, you know, a lot of dark comedy and like not even necessarily cringe humor, but just humor that's, you know, you're laughing, but you're also kind of just like, oh my God, this is so relatable. Or, oh my God, I can't believe that she's going to do this to him at a shiva. Or wait, he didn't want that. (laughs) And then, you know, the relationship with her mother and her mom, like you're touching on before, Chelsea, is like, she's like, oh yeah, Danielle's experimenting. And Danielle says to her mother something along the lines of, you know, oh my God, like you have no gaydar. And her mom's like, I lived in New York in the 80s, honey. Oh yeah great great gaydar like my gaydar is on point (laughs) and it's like the mom trying to understand her daughter while also you know she has an idea of what her daughter you know wants or what she thinks is best for her daughter and just the clash between the two is really well executed in the film yeah like there's definitely clash but there's also that sort of 
sincerity in the relationship yes. where mm. Danielle has that coffee spilled on her and her mom uses the holy water. It seems like that's yeah. what it is mm-hmm. <laughs> to help wipe off. And that's when you think that Danielle's finally going to just tell her, but doesn't tell her anything. And yeah. that could be where she just doesn't feel comfortable with what her mom has to say. So her mother's judgment. Yeah. And wanting, you know, your mom to approve of what you do, but then also, you know, needing to pursue what you want in life. Like Danielle, that character definitely carries that because she's like worried that her mom doesn't like her and that her mom doesn't have this love for her when her mom does, but it's complicated because her mom, you know, doesn't know everything that Danielle does. Just like mothers don't know everything about their daughters for better or for worse. And it's, you know, it's really well explored in this film and that really takes it to another level like all of these emotions that are put out there in this film like honestly when Danielle gets out of the house and is just like breathing outside and is like trying to compose herself like it's almost like the audience at that same time is like taking a breath as well like oh my god it feels like the walls were you know, closing in over there and that everyone was literally breathing down her neck. And like, she finally has a second to herself or you think she does, but you have to watch the movie to see everything. So yeah, you have to watch the film. Well, that concludes our discussion for today for Shiva baby. Yeah. Thank you for listening. And this has been film spill a movie night podcast. Thank you to Haley for being a fantastic guest. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me, Chelsea. I always love talking about films. I, as the audience can tell, have way too many thoughts on film, you know, and on cinema as a whole and on television, definitely. But yeah, I will plug my Instagram like a cliche Gen Zer slash millennial. I am at HaleyNash.LA. I am also on the Onyx website and, you know, follow Onyx Films for more amazing projects, as well as, of course, following film spill pod on all of you know all of social media instagram tiktok pinterest spreading the word i know i'm stealing chelsea's bit with this by throwing that in there but yeah no i love it keep telling them tell them follow us (laughs) tell a friend about the podcast if you like leave a review for us on apple podcasts as well and that will help other people find film spill too Ooh, all right. Until next time, don't cry over a spilled film. Bye.